Um, well, good morning, church. I hope you're doing well today. And um, man, sometimes just some of those old hymns, you know, you could just keep singing them. Um, there's a reason why they uh, don't go out of style. Um, there's just so much truth in them. And Jesus is so sweet. Um, well, um, it is January 15th. Is that right? January 15th. Wow, we're already two weeks in. Um, I can't say Happy New Year anymore. That kind of ended yesterday. So, um, uh, no, but uh, so thankful to have the church here and um, just excited what uh, God's doing this year. Um, for some of you who weren't here last week, we uh, uh, talked about this kind of this word of the Lord for the year, which I'll get into here in just a few minutes. But um, I encourage you to go back and listen to that a little bit so you kind of have a, a better understanding as to what we are doing, Antioch Community Church here in Bryan College Station, and, um, and what we are doing collectively, Antioch, as the churches around the U.S. and around the world, really what we are believing for uh, and, and really what God is leading us into this year as a people. But um, I want to take the bulk of today um, to talk about our corporate fast coming up next Sunday, all right? So um, when I say corporate fast, don't think corporation, okay? Um, when I say fast for this two-week, 14-day fast we're going to be doing, don't think anyone's not allowed to eat for 14 days. Um, so let me kind of unpack it a little bit um, uh, for you. And just by start out, but just giving a, a couple of reference points, if you want to jot some of these things down, um, but when it comes to biblical fasting, where does that idea come from? And of course, many times fasting is coupled with prayer, it's coupled with worship, it's coupled with reading uh, of the word and the Old Testament reading of, of the laws and the prophets going back through for the people to say, hey, let's recount the blessings of God, recount the truth of God. Who is he? Let's kind of take a break from some things to set our minds on him. And so in the Old Testament, one of the most uh, noted passages when it talks about fasting is in Isaiah 58, all right? And so I'll just read um, a, a little bit of Isaiah 58. Um, it says, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression. To the house of Jacob their sins, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. And if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God, they ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Again, Isaiah writing about, hey, we've been fasting, but, 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 but what is it? Why is God not taking notice? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord, this is where it turns, verse, nine, verse six. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, 
to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. And you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now there's a lot there. And I'm not going to unpack all that today. I'm just going to encourage you to read it a few times during this fast. Because I've done different fasts in the past. And sometimes I've read that chapter every single day of that fast. And every single day, there's a combination. It's like in boxing, you do a little combo. When you read this chapter, there's a little combo. It's a little encouragement and a little side hook gut punch, right? Just It's a little oh, conviction and conviction, right? And that's what the Word of God does, right? If you read the Bible and all you get out of it is encouragement, you're not really reading it. Right? I mean, there's a whole lot of repentance to be done, conviction, aligning my life of God again. If anyone reads the Bible, man, I just feel great. Every chapter I open up, I just feel like, man, I'm doing good. I am right. You know, I'm righteous. And it's like, man, you're not reading. You're just, you're just spotting. You're just picking and choosing, right? It's the buffet. There ain't no, no, it's, here's a full meal, right? And so Isaiah 58 is a great passage when you think about fasting, Nehemiah 1 talks about fasting and how the people, when they came back to rebuild the walls before that, though, Nehemiah heard of what was going on back in Israel, back in Jerusalem, and he fasted in the midst of this brokenness that he had for his people and fasting for favor, for breakthrough to have on behalf of his people. And Nehemiah 9, later on, they, uh, they, they do like a corporate-wide fast and they're fasting um, and, and they are confessing and repenting of their sins and how they've turned away from God and they're turning back to him. And it says that they got different people up there and they were reading, they were reading the Old Testament. They were reading the laws, recounting of the righteousness and the goodness of God. And they were repenting corporately as an entire people. Psalm 109, David is fasting and it's more of a lamenting and he's, a, and he's praying and he's fasting saying, God, Here's my heart. Here's what I've done. And God, I need you to break through in my life. 
Jeremiah 36 talks about um, uh, where, where the king is actually declaring, the king of Israel that time, he's declaring a fast for the people. He's saying, we are going to fast because we need to turn back to God. We need to change our ways. Daniel 9, there's fasting there. As he is fasting, oftentimes you'll hear of a Daniel fast. And throughout his life, there's different fasts he did to, to really show um, uh, the people, say, listen, my God is the true God. And by the way, when we fast and we do life unto him, it goes better for us. And then there's breakthrough for him. Of course, we know how the story unfolds. And so what we are going to be doing starting next Sunday, not today, we didn't spring on you today. Okay, so you get a week, get a week to prepare. Okay, not a week to gorge. All right, don't do that. I know it's, you're not a bear. All right, you ain't, we ain't going to hibernation next Sunday. You don't need to store up all that fat. No, no, no. It's just I'm preparing you so that you prepare your hearts and minds to engage. And we are wanting 100% of our church family to engage in this fast. 100%. Okay? Now, there's different ways we're going to ask you to participate and be a part of that. But yes, I am talking about down from babies all the way up. Right? And I'll get into that. You're like, how can a baby fast? Is that even righteous? You know, we'll get into that. Don't worry. Just stay with me here. So fasting is throughout the Old Testament. Go back and search it yourself. But I encourage you to read Isaiah 58 um, because it's going to be very, very helpful. Well, now let's fast forward to the New Testament. Okay, so some will say, man, they did a lot of fasting in the Old Testament. They did others in the Old Testament. We don't do the New Testament, right? Well, that's wrong. So let me tell you, in Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus and his famous Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's this great message, right? And he's talking about lots of different topics. And he says this, he says, and when you fast in Matthew six, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus is talking and he says, when you fast, not if you fast, right? And he's saying that if you fast for others to see you or to do it to prove something to other people, you've already got your reward right there. Man, you do not want to do that. You do not want to fast. Only have your reward be a couple of people like, hey, good job. It's like, wow, that was wasted, right? No, we want to fast unto the Lord. And so, yes, many times when people fast, they fast in secret, right? I remember early on when I first started learning about fasting, you know, you would like, you, like, you maybe knew that like a friend in life group was like fasting or something. And, and early on, you're like, hey, do you want to eat lunch? And then you're like, and they're like, no, I'm cool, I'm busy, you know? And it's like, why not? What's wrong? And it's, uh, I don't want to talk about it, you know? And they're trying to keep it so, and I remember I tried to do the same thing. I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm just going to have water. I'm full. You know, just, you know, just, just stay looking at the pizza. You know, no, you go and eat. It's fine. It's no big deal. You know? Uh, so here's my point, though. Don't be awkward about it. Right? It's just, it's, and, and, you know, if you think someone's fasting, like, don't ask. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's one of those like taboos. Just, just, just like, don't ask. Just let them do it, right? Because then you're kind of spoiling. It's like, man, I didn't, you know, it'd be like, if you get money in your mailbox and someone blesses you, you're like, hey, did you give me that? 
If it was that you? And it's like, if they wanted you to know, they would have told you this is from me. The goal was for it to be in secret. So now you're asking them to lie to you or something, you know? So just don't do that. Don't be that guy, okay? But fasting in secret, but also, biblically speaking, there's a fasting that is corporate, that is, that is community-wide, that is something for us to do together, and that's what we are inviting you into. But notice Jesus says, when you fast, and not just if you fast. Now let's continue on to Matthew 9, some people say, well, you know, I don't see a lot of examples of Jesus' disciples fasting, right? So Matthew 9, starting verse 14, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? I mean, wow. It's like a little turf war here. It's like disciples of John fast, the Pharisees fast. What's up with these followers of the way? What are you guys? You're like second rate, right? Because we fast. And when we fast, you know, it's for real. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled out, uh, is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved." Jesus is saying, my disciples, my followers, they will fast, but we're going to get onto that once I go and ascend to the Father, which, by the way, happened 2,000 years ago, which means everyone following Jesus since has that command, has that admonition, exhortation from him to make fasting be part of their lifestyle. Let me just back up before you guys keep, if your minds are swirling in something and you're starting to fear that you're going to get too unhealthy and medically, you're gonna have all these problems for two weeks, okay? So let me just, we'll get into the practical in a minute, but let me explain something to you. My entire life, I never fasted one day until I met my now wife, Ashley, and got to know her and got to know these people at Antioch that read the Bible and were like, hey, we're gonna do what it says, like literally, and they were like, hey, we're doing this fast. And I was like, you're doing a What? I was like, is there a medical thing that a doctor prescribed? Are you getting surgery? Like, what's, they're like, no, no, it's in the Bible. You fast and pray. And I was like, isn't that going to kill you? Like, I literally had no grit. I didn't know anybody at Texas A&M in my years that had fasted. I didn't know one Christian. I didn't know one Christian at the churches I grew up at, at different types of churches. I didn't know anybody that ever literally didn't eat food for a day. And I was 21, Texan my whole life, been in church my whole life, been around pastors, leaders, youth people, Christian camp stuff, and I, Christians, and I, I didn't know anybody. I was at Breakaway, I was at this thing and this Bible, nobody ever talked about it. Now, that may be different for you, but literally, it was not even on the grid. I'm sure there were some. I never heard about it. I didn't have one friend did it. All of a sudden... They start talking about it. And they're like, yeah, our life group's going to fast. We're going to do this deal. And I was like, whoa. And so I remember I like did like a one-day fast once. Here at A&M. I'm like a junior in college. Okay? And I remember that day. I remember. I had a bunch of classes over on West Campus. And um, I remember I was like, man, get up for the day. And I just went straight water, you know? And I was like, hey, it's just water only, you know? So I went. And man, it was like this day. But I was excited because I read this. And I was like... 
I, I did the clean shave thing. Now, I don't want to put no oil on because today that might be people like suspect. Like, what's, why is your face shiny? You know, but I'm sure back then it made sense. Okay. So I'm not saying go like, you know, my skin is dripping with oil or like Vaseline. You know, he's just like, uh, dude, there's something wrong. No, everything's fine. I feel fine. You know, I think the whole point was, hey, don't like walk around like, oh, woe is me. Oh, don't ask. It's okay. I'm just suffering for Jesus over here, not eating. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that was the deal. It's like, look at us, holy suffering. Right? Okay, so I remember walking on campus, and um, it was like lunch hour. And I knew, because people told me, hey, when you fast, like, take those meal times and actually, like, give them to God. Don't just, you know, stare at, like, a restaurant and just be like, test me, you know. <laughs> you know, put it in front of me. I dare you, devil, you know. Tempt me with food, you know. I, it's just like, that's not the point, you know what I'm saying? A fast is not just like not eating or like some like new diet, okay? And so I remember though, and I, and I like, you know, friends were going to eat and I was like, yeah, I gotta go do stuff. And so I like snuck off and I just like read my Bible and it was so fun. Like I'd never done it. And I went on this bench and I was like super secretive, you know? And I was like, I'm just, and I was like, Lord, I'm excited to do this. Yeah, my tummy's a little grumbly, you know, today. But I'm excited to like just, I'm giving you this meal. Like, this is your meal. I'm giving it to you. And God, I need you to fill me. I got out of the class today. I need to go through the day. Now, I only did a one-day fast. It was like a big deal for me. And the next morning, I woke up, and I was like, I'm getting a big breakfast, you know. And I was all in, you know. And that was where it started. But I, I share that with you because sometimes we can over-spiritualize something. And then we get caught in this realm that's actually a little Pharisee-like. And that's not what I want for us. But what I want for us is to do something together, even though we may do, be doing it in different measures and different levels, that's okay. But I ultimately want you to pray and seek God and talk to your spouse or, or, your, or, or your friends in life group or roommates say, hey, um, like this, this is what I'm, and we're gonna do an exercise here in a little bit, but you know, this is what I'm believing for. This is what I'm fasting for. This is, this is what God's asked me to do and to commit to that, to be accountable to it for those two weeks because it's also a spiritual discipline. Like fasting is needed, right? There's this phrase from a time years ago and it goes like this, um, feed your passions and discipline your weaknesses. Like in the Christian life, feed your passions and discipline your areas of weakness, because that is what's going to make us more in line with <clears throat> Christ. And so um, for us as a church, you may be asking, okay, what's this fast going to really look like? Okay, so I'm going to do just a quick little recap from last Sunday, just to bring you guys into what we're doing as a, as a movement for the Antioch churches. So as I shared last week, there's over 45 churches in America that are Antioch churches. So everywhere from Seattle to Boston uh, to North Carolina, to Dallas and Fort Worth and San Antonio and Houston and to Oklahoma and everywhere else. We've got church everywhere. We need more. We're trying to plant more. But then there's 85, I think, uh, plus teams overseas as well. And so collectively, we've kind of come together over a, a, a time in the fall and praying through and say, hey, what is God saying for us as a people? And collectively, everyone's saying, hey, God is speaking unity for this year. For Antioch. That's what we're going after as a church, as a people. We're going after unity. We get that from Ephesians 4, which I'll read in just a moment. But the word for us is unity. Specifically, what we're talking about is, is, um, is unity with God, unity with one another, and unity with the body of Christ. 
Right? Another way to say it is, hey, we want to have, have union with God, like union with him. We want to have communion with one another. And we want to have a partnership with the body of Christ that we've never had before. And so what that looks like is not, uh, what that looks like practically in America is that on the partnership piece, on the unity with the body of Christ is we are making efforts. Every church is making efforts to build relationships in a deeper way with other leaders and pastors in our cities that are going after the gospel, that are doing a good work. They're saying, Jesus, we want your kingdom to come. How can we partner together? What's that going to look like? It doesn't mean we're all just going to be underneath one roof, but what it means is there's going to be a partnership and a unity of the spirit and a togetherness and a, and a blessing of one another. And whether or not that's reciprocated, we'll all find out. But that's, but that's the heart, is to be a blessing, to build up, to edify, to not compete, to not to belittle, to not get into squabbles or jealousy, envy, or strife, to say, hey, if someone is walking with Jesus, if they're part of another local body or community or what's happening, we want to encourage them and affirm them as a fellow believer, as a brother and sister in Christ. What can we do to get behind you? What can we do to encourage you? No, I don't need you to come over to my life group. I need you to be engaged in your life group and your deal. That's what I want. And that what, God, what are you saying for us? What can we do in partnership together? Because we're all in this thing doing the same mission, right? We want Jesus to be known. We want people to be saved from their sins and saved into a relationship with Jesus Christ where they can become a lifelong disciple of his that are full of life and working through everything. And then they have generational blessing on their family and what happens there. They're able to step in and engage and impact the different areas that God has them in. That's what we want. Like, it is a team effort in the body of Christ. That's what we're wanting. And so we're going for unity this year. And I just, I want to read this passage here in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Do you see the oneness? <laughs> Do you see the unity? And I shared last week, just briefly, that, you know, we've all experienced some measure of division within the church, some measure of division within friendships in our own community, and even somewhat division or doubting or questioning maybe with our own relationship with God. That there's been a questioning, there's been a doubting, there's been a whatever it's been. And so we are calling people back into, say, listen, if you are serious about your faith, if you're serious about, about really following Jesus Christ and making him Lord of your life, not just your savior, right, but your Lord, like if you really are interested in committing to that, then whatever the Lord says, whatever the master says, we've got to be in line with. And as Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus with that father's heart to them, saying, guys, we've got to be united. <laughs> the world will do whatever it can to pull us apart. The demonic realms will do whatever they can to pull us apart and to separate and to divide and to accuse. That is what they do. But Jesus Christ came and said, guess what? Under me, there's one big family. I'm the head. 
Jesus Christ. And I am telling you, this is the way we're going to do things. So when Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, that is the calling to be Christ-like, the calling to follow Christ, right? Just like disciples, when he called them and said, hey, drop your nets, come follow me. Whatever you're doing, come follow me. That calling, he's inviting us to walk in a manner worthy of that. And sometimes we actually have to pause and change our normal routine in life, our normal eating habits in life, our normal sleep patterns in life, and what we're doing to see something change. All right, I, th I think we all know that. Like, change doesn't usually happen by doing the exact same thing. Right? You have to adjust. You have to insert something. You've got to rock the boat a little bit. You've got to deprive your, your fleshly desires to some degree to say, hey, this is better, right? This may be hard. This may be some level of suffering. There may be a discipline here, but, it's, but the reward is coming. The fruit is coming. And that is what we believe happens when we fast. <clears throat> now, let me just kind of break down for you practically what we're going for during this corporate fast, okay? Um, like I said, in, in a few minutes, We've passed out some cards to you guys. You don't have to fill them out just yet, but I'm going to have you, we're going to take some time at the end here to fill them out, just to start filling them out. Again, we're doing this a week ahead, a week in advance, so that we are preparing our hearts and, and inviting people into it. But um, specifically what we believe um, you know, for this fast is that we are going for unity, that we are committing to that unity with God, unity with one another, and unity with the body of Christ. Like that's what we're going to be praying for and asking God for, that we need breakthrough, we need insight, we need wisdom. I don't have a seven-point plan of how that's all going to work. And so that's how we're fasting. And, and I'm hoping that some of you are saying, hey, this is what God is speaking. This is what he's showing me in the scriptures. This is what's happening. Hey, in our life group, we discussed this. And guess what? God was stirring us in this, that this is a way that we can bring about unity of the spirit. Right? This is what God is saying for us. So we are doing this together as a people because we need to hear God together and to be activated together. And so what we're going to be uh, fasting from, so to speak, and what we're doing is we're talking about um, uh, our mind, our body, and our soul, all right? So mind, body, and soul. That's, that's what this fast is going to be, okay? So let me just talk to you about our body for a moment, all right? Romans 12, verse 1. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now leave that up there. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now think about those words just for a minute. A sacrifice in the Old Testament was what? Something that was living and then you killed it. Like dead. So living sacrifice like, wait a second. Paul, did you mention your word there? Maybe he was sleepy. Maybe, yeah, no, no. A living sacrifice, okay? Which means we are called to be ones that the way that we live, the way that we talk, the way that we do, the way that we function, our whole being is meant to be a walking, living, breathing sacrifice. And when you read about sacrifices, it was, it is a pleasing aroma. It is something that God looks and is like, yes, amen. Like it is a surrendered life. It is a giving up. It is 
It is, it is, you know, Abraham going to the point of obedience to even sacrifice his own son, Isaac, even though he was like, I can't believe my God is telling me to do this. And then God says, stop. And they said, I'm going to provide a goat over here in the thicket, that sacrifice. But I wanted to know if you were willing to obey me to the greatest degree, because I can't entrust the father of a whole nation to someone they can't obey me to the bitter end. Father Abraham, uh, you want to be, you want to be the leader of something, be ready for God to ask you to do something that's going to cost you everything. And he's looking to say, are you going to be faithful to the end? Are you willing to even put your most cherished things and people on the altar for me? A living sacrifice. That's what we're called to be. So we're talking about this fast with our body. Okay, so let's, let's just get practical, right? Um, so we talk about our body. What we are talking about for this fast, we're talking about food, drink, exercise, sleep. Those are probably the four main categories, okay? So food. Um, we want everyone to take time. And again, we're just getting you started today with these little note cards because we don't want you to walk out of here and be like, oh, I didn't really think about it. So we're going to take some time just to pray and wait on God and, and write some stuff down. But um, what I'm asking for everyone to do is to commit by Sunday morning next week, so one week from now, to commit to what you're doing in these areas, okay? So let's talk about the body. Um, when it comes to food, um, we are encouraging people to abstain or not eat certain things, whatever that may be, okay? For some people, it may be, hey, we're not going to eat sweets for two weeks. For some people, it may be, hey, I'm only going to eat vegetables and fruit for two weeks, similar to what Daniel did in his fast. For some people, it's going to be, okay, we're going to cut out meat and we're going to go vegetarian. Some people, it may mean, hey, so like, I'll just tell you in our family, what we traditionally do, and we're talking through the details what this fasting look like, but um, what we do is we don't eat anything out of a box. So if it comes in a box, so like cereal or crackers, or we don't eat it. It has to be like fresh foods, so fruits and vegetables. The bread has to be bread that I make because I don't trust all the bread at the stores. Okay, let's just be real. So it has to be like bread that dad makes, fresh fruit and vegetables. We will do some meats, but we kind of cut back on the meat and it's just a little leaner, you know? So it's like we do a lot of rice and we'll do beans and we'll do that kind of stuff. It's all the stuff with preservatives. And that's kind of the path we take and we don't do sweets. And so, you know, that's tough the first few days and we just get into it. You know, everybody gets into hummus and the carrots and whatever, right? So that's what we do. It's a little different. So we're not telling all of our kids, you can't eat a morsel of food for two weeks. You know, I'm not advising that. I'm not encouraging that. I don't think that is wise. Let me just tell you. Um, uh, but that's what we do as, as a family. Of course, Ashley and I may up our game a little bit, do something differently, but we kind of do something collective as a family. Hey, we're all doing this as a baseline, right? So even for parents in the room, you may say, hey, we're doing this as a family to involve the kids, but then you may choose to do something a little different uh, depending on whatever that is, okay? So that's kind of in the food category, drink category. It could be, hey, I'm not gonna do coffee for two weeks. Some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, he just said that. I'd rather not eat than not have coffee, okay? I know you, come on, America, it's addictive. Okay, let's be real. So some of it may be, I'm not gonna do coffee or I'm just gonna do water only. I'm not gonna drink any other beverages or anything else, you know? I, whatever it may be, okay? So food and drink. Um, exercise, okay? So... Some of us love exercising, some don't. Some know we need to, but we don't. Some know we need to. We need accountability groups. We've got exercise group, whatever. Okay, all that really matters. What we're saying is for two weeks, hey, consider how you can honor God with your body. We're not talking about so I can look good for my husband or 
my wife or for my future husband and wife or for my buddies. Like this is, if you're fasting to look good for people, you're like the Pharisees that are just trying to do it and your reward stops there. And you probably won't hear God clearly and you're probably gonna miss out on what he's gonna have for you. So like, please don't exercise so that everyone, so for, for, for mankind, <laughs> you're exercising for God. So that may be a walk, that may be sprinting, that may be weights, that may be, I don't really know, stretching. I'm not really sure. But do something so that you're saying, God, I'm gonna take this body. I know it needs to have some sort of physical activity functioning or else I just don't do well. And it's not about the outside. It's actually about the inside. Those internal organs are the things that will fail you eventually if you don't take care of them, right? So that's exercise. Anyway, that's the whole point. That's a whole other story. Okay, but exercise, okay? Do something. Sleep. I encourage us to actually, I'm gonna say this collectively because I think we should up our game on sleep during this fast. Some of y'all are like, amen, I've been waiting for somebody to tell me that for a long time. It's like, the pastor said I can sleep. You know, I'm taking naps. I'm, you know, great. Some have a trouble sleeping, okay? But my encouragement is to actually commit to a sleep schedule. When are you going to bed and when are you waking up and you commit to that? And I don't care how busy work is and I, because you know what? Guess what? The people of Israel could have worked seven days a week, but God said, here's a Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? Chick-fil-A could go seven days a week, but they go six. And they make more money than all of them. There is a reason why you follow God's ways and it actually goes well for you and your household. So I would encourage us to commit and, don't, and like tell somebody, here's what I'm doing on sleep. Because our bodies need rest. We are busy and our phones, everything else keeps us awake. And we just, we've got to change something to get our bodies healthy. Okay, this is again, living sacrifice, temple unto God, okay? So I talked about sleep, exercise, food, drink, what I miss? Something else? What was the other thing? Anything else with the body deal? Maybe I got them all. Okay, there you go. Sound good? So you can pray through what that needs to look like for you, but we are talking about a lifestyle change for two weeks. Like, just so you know, like we're not talking about, oh, I'm just not gonna eat cookies. No, no come on, man. Like, if you're two years old, okay, maybe that's your thing. But none of y'all are two. So it's got to be more than cookies, okay? Our mind, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Love that word. Be transformed by what? By the renewal of your mind. By the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Oh my gosh. Some of us are like, man, God, what's your will? What's your plan for me? Hello. Be transformed by your night. So the what? The testing you may discern. Some of us have cloudy judgment. Some of us have no idea what we are doing. And my prompting for you is there's probably a reason why. It's not just, oh, I was just born this way. I don't believe that. Mm -mm. The Spirit of God can speak to you. He can clearly, but you have got to get your mind right in order to see clearly, right? To discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So our minds, so what are we going to do? What are we going to ask you to do? All right. We're going to encourage you to pause and take a break from media. Now, when I say that, there's different levels. Okay. I'm not here to dictate to you. Again, I'm sharing with you what I'm inviting us into as a church family to do. You can participate at different levels. There's no judgment. Okay. 
But we're encouraging you to step in because we believe it's going to be for your good and for our good. Right? Like it is, there's something powerful that happens when it's not just half of us do something. But when we all do something together, right? It's like half your family seems and the other half didn't. It's kind of, it gets kind of weird. It's like, no, let's all do this together. So for media, okay? So let's just break it down. There are streaming services. There are videos. There are social media. There's just strolling on the internet and looking at blogs and articles. There's on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and posting this and doing this. And there's just kind of filling your mind with a bunch of different stuff. Right? There's, there's like TV shows you may like or biographies you may like or YouTube channels you like checking with or whatever. And what we are saying is, would you consider taking a break from all of it or a portion of it for two weeks? And I guarantee you that if you do, you will realize how much, and it'll probably be shocking, how much time and energy and thought and our affections and our heart that we give to everything that is digital and everything in that realm. And how much more time we probably should be giving to the human sitting next to us or in our own household, right? So I'm gonna ask you to do it. Now, most of the world would never do this. This would be like media fast. Oh my God, that's like fast and food. You're gonna die. You know, what's gonna happen to you? Are people gonna unfriend me? It's like, so what? They're probably going to want to be their friends anyways. I mean, let's just be real. You know what I'm saying? So, especially for young people, right? And so, I'm not young anymore. I'm 40. So, I'm, I'm in that. I don't know what I am. Middle, middle age? Um, I'm, I'm both and, you know? Um, but I'm encouraging you to do this. And, and I'm telling you right now, it is, and this is not a media message. That's a whole, that's a whole weekend retreat we're going to do at <laughs> some point. But I'm telling you right now, guys, the church needs to wake up. We have got to realize what we have been lulled to sleep in. We are addicted. Our opinions are not guided by this. They're guided by other humans, whether they're godly or wicked. We are um, uh, constantly anxious. We are needing to fill our mind with stuff. Like endless streaming, endless thoughts. You don't even pause and reflect. I mean, when's the last time you just went on a walk with no devices by yourself? Some of you guys, are, I don't know how to do that. Let's try it. Like, walk, no devices, one hour. <sighs> wow, blue sky. God? Ah, it's been a while. I don't need no worship, just me. I can sing, nothing to be embarrassed about. Right here. I'm telling you guys, we need a pause. You need a pause. You need it. And I understand that this day and age with work and with school, there's some things you're tied in. I'm not saying fail your classes or lose your entire business because you have to be on that. But you know what I'm saying. There's, there's, there is purposeful and then there's just entertaining so what I'm specifically talking about is the entertaining piece. Let's just cut it off. It'll be there. You can catch up on the news two weeks from now. You know what I'm saying? And I'm telling you guys, it does something to our souls. Repeating the, uh, like the negativity that so much is out there in the digital world and just in our broken world, and you feeding yourself that, uh, it, you're playing into the hands of the devil, which is making you lose your hope 
and you're discouraged and you're getting beat up and you're starting to question your own spouse and you're starting to look jaded at other people no matter what because all of it's meant to drive us to want to read it more. And so what it's going to do is it's going to make you go after the stories and the stuff and the posts that actually you agree with and it's going to drive you there and that's why we're so divided. Right? We're so divided because we just tend to listen to the one side of the story and we keep listening, keep listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And it's like, wait a second. That's not what Jesus called us to. <laughs> We're supposed to be with people that have varying opinions and perspectives, but we know what the truth is. And we land there and we're not easily swayed to the left and to the right or driven and tossed about by the wind, as James says. Philippians 4.8, talking about our mind. I mean, this, this you, could, you could write this one on the mirror as you shave or put your makeup on or brush your teeth in the morning. This is, put this one there, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's what we need to dwell on. Like, that's what we can dwell on. So during this fast, dwell on that. Whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. Even when I say those words, there's something that kind of lifts hope in our hearts. Like, yes, there is hope if I dwell on that. But if I dwell on death and disappointment and anger, and division, and strife, and fear, and whatever else, you are going to become that, right? Whatever you fix your eyes on is what you will become. You fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, you become more like Jesus Christ. You fix your eyes on anyone else over and over, and you give them the first place, that's what you become. And in the end, that's called idolatry. When we put something else on the pedestal, something else in first place besides Jesus Christ. Lastly, we talk about our mind. So just with our mind, media is a big piece, but it's also, hey, I want to encourage you, what are you going to fill your mind with? Right? Don't just sit there and stare at a wall. Like, find an encouraging book. Read, I encourage you to read a book from someone that is no longer living. You know, like, they weren't, they weren't jaded by all the media and everything else. It was like, pure more thoughts. Like, go back a couple hundred years. Read something. You don't understand the old English. That's fine. Like, read it. Get into it. Man, this is meaningful. This is depth. They had time every day to, to meditate on things. That was part of the culture lifestyle, right? Don't just get some, like, three-point plans book. Like, just think it's going to be meaning. It's going to take you to a deeper place with God. Read the scriptures. Commit something you're going to read. Like, what am I going to read during this fast? Lord, I want to commit to inputting, and I'm going to be feasting as I'm fasting. Feasting on the word. And then lastly, just talking about our soul. Another message one day I'll unpack more just about our soul, but just to be brief, um, when you read about it, you know, many times in the Psalms, soul is mentioned and. um, in the Hebrew understanding, uh, the soul is to be uh, a living and breathing. It's God created. It's an embodied person with a distinct personality. Our soul is, is what is eternal. Our soul is bigger than of ourselves. It is, it's like the aura of the, of the human. It's the, um, the, the, the soul is, you know, when David cries out, like in Psalm 19, 7, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
Like something is coming alive. There's hope is being restored when I dwell, when I fix my eyes on the law of the Lord. Oh, it's good. And he went all sorts of ups and downs, right? Psalm 103. Um, let me just read a portion. So I'm going to go invite the band on up here. Um, psalm 103. It's a great psalm to read during the fast. I mean, man, really any of them, but let's go to Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And it goes on and on, but Man, there's something about when we meditate, when we read, when we declare, when we recite, when we're inputting in godliness and righteousness and the truth of God. Man, something shifts in us. And guys, we're contending for something that our nation is not pushing, right? I was reminded of listening to this deal and they were talking about how in the 1960s is when Bibles went out of public schools. But up until the 1960s, are you aware that a Bible was placed in the hand of students across America in public schools funded by public tax dollars so that children could have as their curriculum the Bible along with the math book and science book and history because they knew this mattered in the education of our youth. And whether or not their parents went to church or knew Christ, this is part of the curriculum. This is what we do. But that was removed, and it's had a snowball effect the last 50, 60 plus years. You look at our country, hey, where, how did we get here? Israelites asked the same question. Man, how did we get here as a people? Oh, we turned away from God's law. Oh, we forgot him. We turned to this. We turned to that. We turned to... Oh, and then God sent a prophet in, some crazy wild-eyed prophet, right? Jeremiah, Isaiah, all these, like, you know, went to the kings. You guys better repent now. There's a turning because God still loves you, but you've got to turn. You can't just say, I'm sorry. Can we keep doing all the stuff we want to do? Please help us out and bless our lands with lots of rain. It doesn't work like that. I need a full-on repentance and a turning. Change your ways. And oftentimes, you know what they did? You fasted. They fasted. Now listen, we've got all of our own individual stuff going on, but we are fasting and praying and believing for unity with the church. Guys, the church is it. Just, you know, in our nation. The church goes down, our nation is done. It is over. Because the church is the pillar and supporter of truth. Jesus Christ in the church is the hope of the world. If the church does not make it and stay narrow, there is no other voice of truth. Just so you're aware. So like the fact that we exist right now and are meeting together is actually a pretty big deal. Because go to nations where this isn't allowed and look at that nation. It's just fact. Where there is a people and a remnant at least that are contending and fighting and believing for truth and sharing that truth, there's hope. But if that is put out, or those people scatter, that's the end. That's not what we're believing for. We're believing for God to rekindle unity 
When everyone says, oh, the church was divided. Not ours. Nope, not ours. Sorry, you're wrong. Incorrect. We're unified. We're together. We're a family. We're different. We're united underneath Jesus Christ. And there's one spirit. It's one God. It's one baptism. There's one faith. That's what we're doing. So let's stand this morning. Actually, don't stand. Sorry, stay there. I'm going to get these little note cards out. All right, we don't want to end like this, but today we're going to end practically, okay? Just for a few minutes. So get those note cards out. And again, this is between you and God. I encourage you, though, to take time this week to really pray and journal and say, God, what do you want me to do during this fast? Some people are going to feel like God says, I want you to fast for two weeks from food. That's okay. I know someone just did a 40-day fast. No food. They're alive. They made it. And they're older than me. Um, you may decide, hey, I'm going to do this fast. I'm going to do whatever. But I, I'm just telling you, if you will really give these things into the Lord, you are going to experience breakthrough. And it's going to be so sweet. doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. There'll be parts that will be hard. But the reward is so worth it. And it's going to help reset some things in our minds and our hearts and our soul. And that's what we're believing for as a people. So just take a few minutes right now. And then we're going to close in worship. I just want you to take a few minutes. Just kind of go through that. I think it's, it's mind, body, and soul on there. And essentially what we're doing is you're just saying, hey, what am I fasting from? Like, what am I doing during this fast in regards to my mind, regards to my body, regards to my soul? And then why? Right? Just start answering that. You may not have it filled out today, but start that. Because if you only do things, but you don't know why you're doing them, you won't last. <laughs> You'll do it for like two days. Like, this is, this is silly, you know? You've got to know why. And that why can't come from me. That why needs to come from the Spirit of God. He is our helper. He is our guide. He is our, he's what convicts us of our sin. He leads us into all truth. We need to hear from him this morning. Just take some time to do that if you would. And then we'll close in worship.